This is Mayo Clinic Talks, a curated weekly podcast for physicians and healthcare providers. I'm your host, Daryl Chetka, a general internist at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Liver function tests are commonly ordered as screening blood tests, and not infrequently, they come back abnormal. Sometimes the cause is obvious, but many times it's not, and often results in additional blood tests and radiologic imaging. We're going to discuss abnormal liver function tests, and we're honored to have one of our finest educators at Mayo with us today, Dr. John Paderuka, a hepatologist in the Division of Gastroenterology and Hepatology at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. John, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for those kind comments, Daryl. Well, this is a common problem. Um, This happens often in my patients. uh, We see this. So let's start by talking about which blood tests can be considered liver function tests? What do we use to assess liver function? The way I think about this is I divide the test into those that are telling me if something is wrong with the liver. So sort of markers of liver inflammation or uh, liver perturbation. And those would include the ALT, AST, and alkaline phosphatase. Those tests should be different, differed from those tests that actually measure liver function. Liver function tests include albumin, prothrombin time, bilirubin. The other test that's sometimes helpful that indicates that a patient might have a lot of scarring of the liver is the platelet count. When patients get advanced liver scarring, sometimes the platelet count will drop because of portal hypertension. All right. So a lot of the times that we're stumbling is when we see the liver enzymes being elevated because we don't often order some of those uh, albumin and prothrombin times unless we're specifically looking at other things. But So these liver enzymes, they're lo- they, they exist in other organs as well, right? Yeah. yeah, so the AST and the ALT are also found in muscle. Usually with muscle injury, the AST will be elevated significantly out of proportion to the ALT. Liver diseases in general will produce an ALT that's a little higher than the AST. There's some exceptions to that that we might be able to talk about a little later. Mm -hmm. Alkaline phosphatase is also found in bone, placenta, and to some extent in the intestine in addition to the liver. So we can't automatically assume that if one of these is elevated, it represents a liver problem. Yeah, most of the time it does, but there are some exceptions. And in general, if one of those is elevated and the other one is elevated as well, then it indicates a Mm -hmm. liver problem. It's only when one of them is elevated in isolation that you need to think about the possibility that it might be from another organ. Yep, and I know there have been times when I've had my elderly patients with an alkaline phosphatase elevation, I've had to do isoenzymes, and turns out they have maybe Paget's disease, which turns you a different direction than the liver. An alternative to the alkaline phosphatase isoenzymes is a GGT. So if the alkaline phosphatase is elevated and the GGT is elevated, that means that the alkaline phosphatase is elevated from the liver as opposed to another organ. All right. 
So I, I've heard your presentation uh, on abnormal liver function tests in the past, and what I take away from it is that there are some enzymes that reflect hepatobiliary injury and others that reflect more biliary obstruction. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the ones that are associated with more hepatocellular injury. Yeah, so the markers of hepatocellular injury are the AST and the ALT. In general, for most liver diseases, especially those that are kind of early in their evolution, the ALT will be higher than the AST. Interestingly, for some common liver diseases such as non-alcoholic steatohepatitis or hepatitis C, as the liver disease progresses and the patient gets more advanced fibrosis, the AST might be a little higher than the ALT. So when you see the AST a little higher than the ALT, then you should think that maybe that indicates that the patient has advanced hepatic fibrosis. The other sort of exception to that is alcoholic liver disease, where the AST is characteristically higher than the ALT by a ratio of two to one, often significantly more than that. Hmm. So in early hepatocellular injury, is the ALT a more sensitive indicator? Yeah, the ALT is generally a more sensitive indicator than the AST. And an exception to that would be alcoholic liver disease. Some patients with alcoholic liver disease have a, have a normal ALT and a significantly higher AST. The other thing I should point out is that there are some patients with significant liver disease non-alcoholic fatty liver disease being the most common cause, where they can have actually normal liver enzymes despite having a significant amount of hepatocellular injury or even fibrosis. Mm -hmm. All right, now let's talk about the other end of the spectrum, those associated with biliary obstruction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so alkaline phosphatase and GGT are the two that are traditionally associated with more biliary diseases. I'd like to make the point that for some reason, the alkaline phosphatase has to be synthesized before it's excreted from the biliary tree or actually technically liver cells. So if you have a patient with an acute biliary obstruction, as might occur with a common bile duct stone, sometimes the aminotransferases will go up, even though it's a biliary problem. And those aminotransferases can go up quite high, up to 1,000 in some cases, whereas the alkaline phosphatase might not go up until a couple of days later. Okay. But in general, if you're looking for a biliary disease, either a disorder of intrahepatic bile ducts or a disorder of extrahepatic bile duct obstruction, generally the alkaline phosphatase will be more elevated than aminotransferases. Okay. Now, on occasion, um, I'm going over my patient's test results and I see, say, an AST, which is below the normal limits of normality. Is that of any significance? No, we had that come up with uh, one of our living donor evaluations today. Basically, uh, there's no downside to a low or no clinical significance to a low ALT. It's almost like being too strong. You mm -hmm. really, really can't have too low uh, liver enzymes. Now, one exception, pretty rare disease, Wilson disease. It's a disorder of copper overload. Sometimes those patients will have modest elevation of aminotransferases and a low alkaline phosphatase. That's a pretty rare disease, but that would be one mm -hmm. exception where a low liver enzyme has some clinical significance. Okay. So walk us through what we should do when we see one or more 
enzymes elevated? Yeah, so probably the, the, the most important thing when you're evaluating patients with abnormal liver tests is the clinical context in which you're doing those tests. So a patient in the hospital or in the emergency department is going to be treated very differently than a patient that is in your clinic. But let's say for the sake of discussion, it's a otherwise pretty well patient who is in your clinic, no specific liver symptoms. Um, probably the best thing to do first, in addition to taking a history, is to repeat those liver enzymes. About a third of patients with an elevated liver enzyme will have subsequent normal values, and those values generally stay normal. So, so I think if, if it's a patient who has no symptoms of liver disease, who has preserved liver synthetic function based on those other markers that we talked about, um, it's probably better just to sit tight and repeat those liver enzymes in a week or two before you embark on an expensive evaluation. And I think that's the most common scenario I encounter. In fact, it just happened last week. Can't find any explanation for why his AST is you know, one and a half times elevated, but I'm requesting he have this rechecked in a month, six mm -hmm. weeks, and yeah. then we'll see what happens. It seems like more often than not, they go back down to normal. Yeah, that's true. Right. So let's say we get tests AST elevated. Um, what other tests should we order to evaluate possible hepatocellular injury? Yeah, so um, the typical things we want to do, first of all, um, it's a little hard to kind of outline a recipe mm -hmm. because it's going to depend on the clinical circumstances. But in general, when I see a patient with uh, elevated liver enzyme, an AST or an ALT, it's typically going to be one of three things. The most common cause in our population is going to be non-alcoholic fatty liver disease or non-alcoholic steatohepatitis. Um, a second potential cause would be alcohol. And again, a clue to that is that the AST is going to be considerably greater than the ALT. And then the third thing would be viral hepatitis, uh, hepatitis C or B. So I want to take a history, assess the patient for risk factors for alcohol and non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And then generally I'll get some additional blood work once I've documented that those liver tests are elevated in a chronic fashion. So what I'll typically do is, the first thing I wanna do is I wanna see how bad the liver function is. And I can get some idea about that based on blood work. And the things that I would do is a CBC. And then here we would do a comprehensive metabolic profile, which will include bilirubin albumin. I would also do a prothrombin time. And then I need to generally do some blood tests to look for other causes of chronic liver disease. So if I'm thinking about viral hepatitis, I want to do an antibody to hepatitis C. I want to do a hepatitis B surface antigen, and I'll take that opportunity to also check them for hepatitis B surface antibody to see if they have immunity. Although hemochromatosis, the disorder of iron overload, often does not produce elevated liver tests, sometimes I'll take the opportunity of the elevated liver tests to check them for hemochromatosis because it's a relatively common disease, especially in a Northern European population. And so I'll do a ferritin and iron tests. I think a decision to do other tests has to be, has to be somewhat dependent on the clinical situation. 
Sometimes I'll do autoimmune markers, including a smooth muscle antibody and an anti-nuclear antibody, but that will depend in part on the degree of elevation of the liver enzyme. So, so that would be sort of the blood test that I would do in somebody with aminotransferase elevations. Okay. And how about imaging studies? How might they, they help and which one would you choose? Yeah, so imaging studies are very helpful. There are basically three kind of things that we can do for the liver. There's ultrasound. Ultrasound has the advantage of it's the least expensive of the options. Um, doesn't require an IV. Doesn't require the patient to get any intravenous contrast or oral contrast. And it gives us a good look at the liver as well as other abdominal organs. So ultrasound is the cheapest and easiest thing to do, and often that would be our first line. Other options would include computed tomography or CT imaging. The advantages of CT is it gets a little bit better look at the liver, especially if you're looking for liver masses. CT is also a very good test to check out the liver vasculature. We can also do that with a Doppler ultrasound, but CT is actually a superior technique compared to Doppler ultrasound. The other thing about CT is it'll look for evidence of portal hypertension, splenomegaly, collateral vessels inside the abdomen, plus it gives you a very good survey of the rest of the abdominal structures. And the third modality is MRI. Uh, MRI is a little like CT, requires an IV, requires IV contrast in most instances to get a good look at the liver. The advantage of MRI is that you can combine it with MRCP, magnetic resonance cholangiopancreatography, which gets a good look at the bile duct. And at least in certain centers, you can also combine it with MR elastography, which is a test that you can use to measure liver fibrosis. So, so in general, when patients are seen with abnormal liver tests, probably the first test is an ultrasound. May I make one more comment about ultrasound imaging? So one of the things that sometimes we'll see on ultrasound is gallbladder stones. And gallbladder stones, when they're present, are often felt to be causing the abnormal liver tests. Unless the patient has one of those gallstones in the common bile duct, gallbladder stones do not cause elevated liver tests. So when, you, when you're doing an ultrasound for a patient with elevated liver tests and they have no symptoms and they have a few gallbladder stones in their, on their ultrasound, those gallbladder stones probably have nothing to do with the abnormal liver enzymes. All right. So let's take the other side now. Let's say your alkaline phosphatase is elevated and you're concerned about biliary problems. Where do you go next? Yeah, so um, the differential diagnosis is a little bit different for a predominantly elevated alkaline phosphatase. Now, non-alcoholic steatohepatitis, which is so common in our population, can cause an elevated alkaline phosphatase, so you still have to consider that. Alcohol can also cause an elevated alkaline phosphatase. But the kind of the diseases that you want to think a little bit more about with an elevated alkaline phosphatase than you would with elevated aminotransferases would be primary biliary cholangitis, which is a disease predominantly in women. Typically, those patients will have a positive anti-mitochondrial antibody. So if somebody has a chronic elevated alkaline phosphatase 
and their bile ducts are normal on imaging, then you want to check that antimitochondrial antibody. And then the other thing that you want to make sure you exclude is a biliary obstruction. Generally, if a patient has a biliary obstruction producing an elevated alkaline phosphatase, they'll have dilated bile ducts on imaging, but occasionally you might want to do an MRCP a little more quickly in a patient with alkylated, an elevated alkaline phosphatase than you would elevated aminotransferases. All right. One of the most common uh, explanations we have for an elevated AST is the use of statins. So at what level of liver enzyme elevation should we consider stopping the statin? So elevated liver enzymes from a statin is relatively unusual, but of course there's a lot of people that receive statins. Mm -hmm. So elevated liver enzymes probably occur in maybe 1% of patients on statins. Um, Most of the time, the elevated liver enzyme is associated with the disease for which you might be using that statin. So a patient with hyperlipidemia is at increased risk for non-alcoholic steatohepatitis. So often that is the cause of the elevated uh, AST or ALT. Now, if you have a patient that you're checking liver enzymes who's on a statin, I tend not to worry about it if that AST is less than three times the upper limit of normal. I'll follow it, mm-hmm. but I won't necessarily stop the drug. Okay. If the AST is elevated three to five times the upper limit of normal, the patient otherwise feels well and there's no evidence of liver synthetic dysfunction, I tend to continue the statin but monitor the AST and ALT even a little more closely. I think when you have a AST or ALT more than five times the upper limit of normal, and you don't know what the cause is, and you think it might be related to the statin, I think at that point you have to stop it. Mm-hmm. So, so for that AST to ALT ratio, uh, a level more than five times the upper limit of normal, that's when I will stop the statin. Okay. Can I ask you to summarize what you've discussed now in the evaluation of elevated liver enzymes? Yeah, I think the, the key things are is that Far and away, the most common cause of abnormal liver tests in our population is non-alcoholic fatty liver disease or non-alcoholic steatohepatitis. I think for the most part, patients with one elevated liver enzyme don't need an evaluation as long as they feel otherwise well and their liver function is preserved. So I think just repeating that and then embarking on a workup, if it stays elevated, then I think you need to do something further. Um, I think the other thing that's sometimes helpful in terms of a liver function test, remember that platelet count. When you have a low platelet, especially in a patient with a large spleen and there's no other cause, think about portal hypertension associated with cirrhosis as a cause. Um, And I think differentiating the causes of elevated aminotransferases versus an elevated alkaline phosphatase can be very helpful as you're evaluating the patient. We've been discussing abnormal liver function tests with Dr. John Paderuka, a hepatologist in the Division of Gastroenterology and Hepatology at the Mayo Clinic. John, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us. Thanks for having me, Daryl. You can now listen to over 100 different medical topics developed for primary care providers on Mayo Clinic Talks podcasts. Find them at ce.mayo.edu or your favorite podcasting app. If you've enjoyed Mayo Clinic Talks podcasts, please subscribe. Stay healthy and see you next week 